welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Tonight we're going to talk about the identification and the disintegration of strongholds in our life. Alright, last week we talked about the dismantling of strongholds. We talked about how that God is our strong tower, He is our stronghold, and we have a choice. We can cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can rush to the stronghold of God or we can allow the stronghold of the enemy into our life. Today I want to talk to us about the identification and the disintegration of strongholds in our life. Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I'm always relying upon you to help me be able to teach your word Pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate. Holy Spirit, teach through me, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 12 is our springboard scripture. And it says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The phrase that precedes that says, The night is far spent and the day is at hand. What God is trying to communicate to us in this passage of Scripture is there is no time like now to prepare for spiritual war. There's no time like now to prepare for spiritual war. See, we, in order to prepare for spiritual war, then we have to cast off the works of darkness. The Bible doesn't say that God going to take the works of darkness off. We have to make the choice to cast them off. Well, how do we cast them off? We cast them off through the confession of faith. We cast them off through the confession of the Word of God. We make up our mind that I'm not living in bondage to this stronghold anymore. Devil, you're not going to hold my family in bondage anymore. You're not going to hold my mind in bondage anymore. You're not going to hold my health in bondage anymore. You're not going to hold my finances in bondage. Devil, I take authority over you right now in the name of Jesus and you begin to declare the Word of God over your situation and in so doing you are casting off the works of darkness and you are clothing yourself with Scripture which is the Word of God which the Bible calls the sword of the Spirit which is a weapon which is a weapon. So if the devil gets close to me and I'm clothed with the sword, he ought to get cut. Slice him up. He ought to get cut with the Word of God. Too many of us have allowed the devil to have a foothold in our lives. We've let him have free reign to harass us, to oppress us, to bring us into bondages that God desires us to walk in freedom from. Too many of us have allowed the devil that access into our life. God should be our rock and God should be our stronghold. But the problem is, is too many of us today have allowed the enemy to control the strongholds in our life. Instead of allowing God to be the stronghold of our life, these other strongholds are there. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, here's what the Bible said. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock 
and my fortress, which is a stronghold, and my deliverer. So if we're going to talk about the identification of strongholds, if we're going to talk about the disintegration or the taking apart of strongholds, then the first thing we need to do is talk about how strongholds come in and take root in our life. How they come in and take root in our life. In order to fully understand how to pull them down, we have to understand how they came. Now listen to me very closely. Many strongholds are the result of the accumulation of, listen to this term, uncrucified thoughts and unsanctified attitudes that we accumulated in the formative years of our life. Commonly known as generational curses. Uncrucified thoughts. Unsanctified attitudes. Well, if you saw your mother get all cranked up and all excited and all angry and everything when, when, when the enemy would come against her and, and all this kind of stuff, guess what you're going to do when you get older? A counselor will tell you if you were beat as a child, chances are unless you get help, you'll beat your child. Because that's what you taught. That's what you were taught. That's what was modeled before you. And so we have to, un, we have to crucify the thoughts of the flesh. We have to crucify things that are contrary to the Word of God. Now listen, every single decision that we make should be testified by the Scripture which, is God's, which should be God's authority in our life. And when we, when we don't test our lives by what the Word says, by what the Scripture says, then we're not crucifying our thoughts and we're allowing the enemy access into our lives. Now, many times because of the thought process that, processes that we have, we develop unsanctified attitudes. Now, sanctification means set apart for a holy purpose or set apart to a specific purpose for God. And so if we say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender my life to you. God, I want you to use me. And we wonder why God's not using us. And we wonder why there's not any open doors for our ministry and for our life. Many times it's because we haven't allowed God to sanctify our thoughts and we haven't allowed God to sanctify our attitudes. In other words, we haven't allowed God to sanctify our life. In other words, set us apart for a specific purpose. We just want our way too bad. Can I, can I teach you tonight? We just want our way too bad. Well, God, this is the way that I've always done it, and if I start doing it a different way, then I just don't know how people are going to react. Fooey on that. Who cares how they react? Well, I do. That's pride. Get into the Word. See what the Word of God says. See what the Word of... We need to get to the point where we're no longer reactive, but we're proactive. We need to get to the point where we put the Word of God out there. We put the Word of God on on that challenge that's in our life, on that circumstance that's in our life. Now, let's continue on here, okay? Now, the Bible says, now you say, well, how how can I crucify my thoughts? How can I sanctify my attitude? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that our minds need to be renewed day by day. That's what the Bible tells us. Many of our opinions about our lives are ours because we know no other way to think. 
Think about that. That was a loaded statement. Many times we believe what we believe because we don't know any other way to think. In fact, we've never thought about a different way to think. A little play on words there. We've never thought about a different way to think. What if, what if we just said, okay, God, you can start from the ground up and just rework me. You can rework me. Lord, go ahead, put me back on the potter's wheel, do whatever you need to do, because I know that when I come out, I know that I'm going to be more like you and I'm going to be a vessel that you can use. Listen, the, the hardest job for a pastor like me is when other people come in from other churches and they bring all of the things from the other churches as suggestions and they say, well, this is the way we did it at that church and this is the way we did it at this church and those churches run 20 or 30 people and they want to bring that and offer it to me as a solution to a problem that we're having in a church that runs between two and 300. There's a reason that churches run 20 people for 50 years. Thought processes. Thought processes. Now, let me bring it down to where we live. There's a reason that you keep going around the same old tree and singing the same old song year after year after year after year. Maybe what we need to do is we need to say, Okay, Lord, I surrender my thoughts to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender everything about me to you. Lord, I surrender back to you. How do I get back on the potter's wheel, Steve? Thanks for that question right now. Surrender. Surrender. Lord, I surrender my mind to you. Lord, I I give you my past failures. I give you my past successes. Lord, I give you my present. Lord, I give you my future. Lord, I want to live a life of surrender unto you so that when people see me, they just get lost in you. Lord, I want to be the type of person that when people are around me, they're motivated to pray, that they're motivated to get into the Word of God, that they're motivated to live for you and to fall in love with you. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 7 says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. So if you're convinced because because mama got heart disease when she was 50 and grandma got heart disease when she was 50 and great-grandma got heart disease when she was 50 that you're going to get heart disease when you're 50 because that's all you've ever heard. You better enjoy your life because once you hit 50, you're going to get heart disease. If you've heard that over and over and over and over again, you're going to have to retrain your mind to start listening to what the Word of God says where the Bible says, He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by His stripes I'm healed. I'm healed. And so you have to retrain your mind to start listening to what the Word says. So Isaiah chapter 55 verses 7 through 8 says this, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and God will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now listen to the next phrase in verse number 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Here's what God is telling us. You don't think like I do. You don't think like I do. And so what we have to do is we have to surrender to Him and let Him think through us. And when we do that, then we start dismantling strongholds in our life. Now, let's identify some strongholds. Just because we're Christians 
does not mean that we are exempt from having strongholds that we have to deal with every single day. Some of those strongholds are in us. Some of them are on us. Some of them are around us. But they're strongholds. Here's a few of them. Fear is a stronghold. Fear is nothing in the world but contaminated faith. It's a form of faith that is contaminated. Fear is believing more in what the devil or the circumstances is saying about your situation than in what God is saying about your situation. So fear is contaminated faith and it's a stronghold. If you've never wrestled with a spirit of fear, then you don't want to. Because it will just make you afraid of everything. Unbelief is a stronghold. That's, we're just identifying some strongholds right now. Unbelief is a stronghold. The enemy will come to you and say, I don't care what, you know, what, what, what you've been taught and all this kind of stuff. This is, this is what the doctor's report says. This is what the credit report says. This is what the divorce papers say. This is, this is, this is, this, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and before long, because you're surrounded by the circumstances, you're wondering, dear God, how in the world am I ever going to get out of this? And you're looking at those circumstances, and if you look at the circumstances more than you look at what God says about your situation, then unbelief will begin to rise in your heart because what you feed is what will grow. What you feed is what will grow. So if I feed myself the Word of God then my spirit can grow and overcome the works of the enemy and I can receive things in the spirit before the manifestation of it comes in my flesh. Okay, let's get down to, to, to some places where we, where we live. Are we ready? Okay, resentment is a stronghold. You know, the enemy will come against you, he'll attack you, and before you know it, if you open yourself up to that, you'll just start resenting. Just Resentment is a stronghold. Resentment can lead to depression. Depression is a stronghold. Now, under, now, I understand there are some things that, you know, are, are, are medical problems, and I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an oppression from the enemy. Depression is a stronghold. Unforgiveness is a stronghold because unforgiveness leads to bitterness. I was telling somebody this today. Unforgiveness will lead to bitterness. Bitterness will lead to hatred. And when you, once you cross that line over into hatred, then your love's not working anymore. And if your love's not working, then your faith's not working because faith works by love. And your faith is not working. There can be no manifestation of what you're believing God for. All because you allowed an offense to set in, gave way to bitterness, gave way from, from the bitterness, turned into hatred. And before you knew it, before you know it. And, and all of that can lead to anxiety. Anxiety is a stronghold. Lukewarmness is a stronghold. You know, the devil will, is satisfied with people coming together. And I've been talking to my staff about this for several months now. I told them, I said, when we come to church on Sunday morning, we're, we're just not getting the atmosphere set for the miraculous. I mean, we're, we just got to somehow get our people to worship and somehow to get them to engage God because the atmosphere is not complete. I said they're singing the songs, but they're not worshiping God. And, and, and what happens, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, God wants you either hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, He'll just spew you out of His mouth. How many like lukewarm coffee? You want it hot? And some people like it cold. I don't like cold coffee. You can have cold coffee if you want it. I don't like it that way. But some people. Apathy is a stronghold. Sinful thoughts are strongholds. 
Lust is a stronghold. Pride is a stronghold. Greed is a stronghold. Addictions can be strongholds. Porn is a stronghold. Before any deliverance can be truly accomplished, we first have to honestly recognize what the stronghold is in our life, even if it's embarrassing. We have to recognize that we need God to help us. Overcoming strongholds is tied to hope. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When we identify our strongholds, we survey and examine the attitudes in our heart. When we're doing these things, we need to start looking for hope. Now I want to tell you, any stronghold that we've talked about tonight, and there's a lot of different strongholds that you can identify in your life. Anything that takes the place of God in your life is a stronghold. And you can identify that stronghold. I want to tell you something. There's hope from it. There's hope. You can overcome that stronghold. You can overcome it. The Bible said that hope makes not ashamed. You've got to start seeing yourself free. If you fall down, if you fail again, you just get up, you dust yourself off, you say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me, and you keep going, and you start seeing yourself free. Lord, I thank you that I walk in freedom. Lord, I thank you that you've set me free. Lord, I thank you that that addiction is not on me anymore. God, I just give you praise, and I thank you because you call me a son of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The world might call me an addict, but you call me a son. And Lord, I receive what you say about me. And you overcome that stronghold in that way. Now, how do we pull them down? How do we disintegrate these strongholds? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5, we first have to understand that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. The Bible said to the pulling down of strongholds. There are too many people trying to counsel out what can only be cast out. Well, I just need to go have some good Christian counseling because I just can't get free from this addiction. Listen, you need some good Christian counseling, what you need to do, and and, and we can help you stay free, but what we need to do is we need to first get around you, we need to pray, and we need to to help that, that stronghold be broken off of your life and just say, devil, we bind you in the name of Jesus, command you to get your hands off of this person, come out in the name of Jesus, and experience freedom. And experience freedom. So we, so we go on. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Quit trying to get through reason, the only thing that you can get through revelation. Quit trying to get through counseling, the only thing you can get through the Word of God. Quit trying to get through counseling, what you can only get through prayer. Jesus said, these kind go not out but by prayer and fasting. There are some things. I was talking to Pastor Josh today about some of the revivals that we used to preach years ago and the miracles and stuff that we used to see all of the time. They would just blow your mind. And I told him, I was telling Dr. John, there's a couple of times we've been talking about it. And I told him, I said, people ask me, what was was it like to pay the price? I said, I didn't even know I was paying the price. I was just seeing God move. I was so excited. I wasn't worried about what I was going to eat. I wasn't worried about finances. I wasn't worried that, that I was 1,000, 1,500 miles away from home. My mind was always on, man, I wonder what God's going to do tonight. I wonder who's going to get saved tonight. I wonder who's going to get a miracle tonight. I wonder who's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost tonight. And my whole life was about what's God going to do, what's God going to do, what's God going to do. And expectation attracted the anointing that made effective ministry happen. 
and people were saved and healed and delivered and set free and churches were established. I didn't even know it. I was so lost in living for God and pleasing God and working for God. I just got to the point where I... Everything that happened was about God. Now I look back at it and I realize that the enemy tried to fight me here and the enemy tried to fight me here and the enemy tried to fight me here and every time he ran up against me, he ran into a wall. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Quit trying to defeat the devil by yourself You need the power of God. You need the help of the Holy Ghost. Come on. You need the help of the Holy Ghost to overcome the enemy that's warned against you, that's warned against your family, and that's warned against your life. You need the help of the Holy Ghost. I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this. Your desire for the move of God in your life has to be stronger than your desire for the strongholds in your life. Some people say, how in the world do you make it in the ministry when people do what they do to you? I say, you've got to love God more than you hurt. So you just got to love God more. Well, the same principle applies in a different way to overcoming the enemy. The same principle applies. You just just got to say, you know what? You know what, God? I know that this world is rocking and rolling around me and everybody's got all this negative nonsense to say, but God, my heart's towards you. I want to see your glory. I want to experience your power. I want to know you in a powerful way and in a great way. I want your presence to be strong in my heart and I want your presence to be strong in my life. And Lord, I'm not going to leave this place of prayer until I feel the tangible presence of God in my life and in my heart. And You would be surprised. 98% of the things that you face can be solved through the active manifestation of the presence of God in your life. If we're going to see revival in Pasco County, if we're going to see revival in Lakewood, if we're going to see revival in our families, if we're going to see revival personally, it's going to have to become more important to us than anything else in the world. Well, what about my family? Well, what about them? What about them? You know what your family needs you to do? They need you to get a divine hookup with the Heavenly Father. So when you're in their presence, His presence and His glory and His power can just spill over into the, into the room where you are. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. They walked as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. They worked miracles as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the stronghold breaker back then is still the stronghold breaker today. 
Our desire for God has to become stronger than our desire for the things of the world. Lord, I want your move in my life more than I want a nicer home. Lord, I want your move in my life more than I want a raise. Lord, I want your move in my life more than I want this next meal. Lord, I want your move in my life more than anything in the world. And when, our, when, when, when that desire comes, then that breaks down strongholds and creates access for you to God. And once you get that divine hookup with God, then there is no stronghold that the enemy can devise against you that can stop you from experiencing His glory and seeing His power in your life. Hallelujah. You come on Wednesday night because you know you're going to get both barrels, don't you? (laughs) Hallelujah. So then the Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This passage of Scripture identifies two non-variables that are necessary in the identification, dismantling, and disintegration of strongholds. They are, number one, conforming our thoughts to the principles of God's Word. I can't say enough about that. That's number one. Number two living in obedience to God's Word. We conform our thought patterns so they embrace, so they resemble, so they model after the teachings and the practices of Jesus Christ. Let me say it like this. Jesus should be your number one mentor. Jesus should be your number one mentor. Jesus is my number one mentor. When our thought life is in agreement with unbelief, fear, habitual sin, the enemy has rest. And he seeks out those places which are in harmony, listen to this, with his environment and resides there. Unbelief is in harmony with the enemy's environment. Habitual sin is in harmony with Satan's environment. Strongholds that separate you from God are in harmony with Satan's environment. And he seeks out those places for his activity and he makes them his workshop. So how do I break the stronghold? (laughs) Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, by allowing the increase of His government that has no end to expand inside of us until our life is totally absorbed in His Spirit and we get lost in His presence. And when we... When we do that, we tend to start believing like Him. We we eke out His love. We have His thoughts and His desires flow into us, within us, around us, and then eventually out of us. So here's, here's the choice that we have. Either we can create an environment that is attractive for Satan in our life, or we can come over here and create an environment that is attractive for God. And if we create the the environment that is attractive for God, the Bible said He'll set up His his presence where they praise Him. That's what the Bible says. 
That means he'll set up the throne. If you study that scriptures in the book of Psalms, he'll set up the throne of his glory. If we praise Him, if we magnify Him, if we, if we make Him the object of our affection, if we make Him the object of our love, then what He'll do is He'll create a throne in our life and He'll set, because He's omnipresent, He can be everywhere present at all times, then He'll set down upon the throne of our life and He'll become the King of kings and the Lord of lords over our life and the enemy will have no access. But if we say, you know something? I'm going to cave in to the working of the flesh and I'm going to cave into the desires of the flesh and when I do that, then what's going to happen is Satan is going to try because he tries to copy everything that God does. He's going to set up a counterfeit throne in your life and he's going to try to rule and reign through sin in your life. That's why the Bible said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that you would fulfill it in the lust thereof. So we allow God to set up His throne in our lives. We allow Him to increase His government in our lives. We allow Him to expand into our lives to the point where we become absorbed by Him and by the precious Holy Spirit. We believe in Him. We believe like Him. We have His love inside of us. We embrace His thoughts. We embrace His desires. And we allow Him to flow into us, within us, and without us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon His shoulder. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 and 7. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no increase upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The only one who has the right to shape your life is Jesus Christ. How does he do that? He does it through the infusion of the Word of God in our life. Did you hear about the preacher that went through seven pages of notes and the little boy sitting on the front front row, when he got through with the seventh page, he said, Oh, thank God, Mommy. And the preacher got up and just turned him over and started again. Oh, my goodness. Can you give me about five or ten more minutes? How many of you are learning anything tonight? I mean, my goodness, this is... Man, if we could get this inside of us. Wow. So, the second non-variable is we have to live in obedience to God's Word. Why do I do that? Because it conform, it, because what, if I live in obedience to God's Word, then it achieves the goal of my Heavenly Father, and His goal is to conform me into the image of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Think about it, okay? So it conforms to the image of Jesus Christ. Why would I want to do that? Because when I do, when I allow that, it positions me to receive the benefits of sonship. If I allow Him, if I allow Him to achieve His goal in me, then the payoff for me is I have the benefits of sonship in the kingdom of my Father, Jehovah God. Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. 
For whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Christ was the down payment from God on sonship. God calls him in the scripture the firstborn among many brethren. See, some people say, well, he, Jesus was the Son of God. Well, there's no such thing as He was. He is and forever shall be. But because He came and died on Calvary and became the seed that was planted in the earth and three days later sprouted again, He rose again and then ascended up into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father ever living to make intercession for you and I, which is what the Scripture says. Because He done that, now there are many sons and many daughters. He was the way maker He was the forerunner. He was the one that came and walked the face of this earth. He became our mentor and shows us how to live for God. Shows us how to allow the presence of God to flow through us. Now, listen. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. How how does this tie into strongholds? Because... The devil might not be afraid of you, but he's afraid of the Christ in you. And if we embrace our position as sons of God and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ and access everything that Calvary paid for and we have the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead inside of us, if we let it quicken us, come on, touch somebody and say, quicken, quicken, quicken. Yeah, 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 quicken, quicken, quicken. What is, it? what is the quickening? It's like, it's like, you know, Dr. John's sitting here. He has absolutely no idea this is going to happen. And then God just walks by and goes, boom, just like it. And it's like a, did you see him jump? It was like a quickening. It was like a quickening. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's what the devil's afraid of. We submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil. And he flees from the Christ in us. We resist Him because of the authority that we have and as, as the result of our, our identification with Christ, he's, He flees. So as we continually yield ourselves to Christ, as we surrender ourselves by faith to His nature and to His words, then what we're doing is building an impenetrable stronghold of His presence around us. Let me say it like this. We can pray against the devil all day long, but but listen to me. And we can bind the devil all day long. But what if we developed godly virtues? Instead of having to pray against the devil, we have the godly virtue. Now, we can resist him when we need to, but listen. It's the joy of the Lord that defeats depression. It's not me saying, I bind you depression in the name of Jesus. It's the joy of the Lord. Now, we can bind depression, but it's the joy of the Lord that's going to keep you free. It's living a life of faith that will destroy unbelief. You can come against unbelief all day long, but until you learn how to live a life of faith, you're always going to fight that battle. That's how you disintegrate that stronghold. You learn how to live by faith. (laughs) What cast out fear? Aggressive love. Devil, You mess with me and try to make me afraid. I'm going to find somebody and I'm going to put so much love on that person and it's probably going to be one of my enemies. 
So you better back up, Jack. Because I ain't putting up with this. Devil, I ain't putting up with this. I ain't putting up with fear. I'm not putting up with unbelief. I'm not putting up with these types. There's no way in the world I'm going to put up. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The seven sons of Sceva tried to cast devils out of people and they come up to them and they said, and this person that was bound with the, de- with the devil came up to them and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, or Peter, or Paul, was it Paul or Peter? One of them. He said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Well, you know what? <laughs> what we need to do is we need to get a relationship with the Lord like the apostles had where when the enemy comes up and he can say, Jesus I know and Johnny I know, but who are you? Had a situation years ago when, um, and I'm, I'm just pretty much through here. I just have one or two more statements. But I had a situation uh, several years ago where I was under a tent and we were praying and for somebody and I was preaching a tent meeting. A person came in and a lot of this stuff happens in the Indian communities. There's a lot of uh, uh, Indian religion, which is witchcraft and, you know, things like that. And so we had uh, a guy come up underneath there and, and he was uh, uh, bound by the enemy. And you could tell that there was demonic possession, not just oppression, but possession going on. And so they got with him and they worked with him and they worked with him and they worked with him and they worked. And one of the big things up there in Canada was what they would do. They'd just get him up here and they'd try to get the devil to vomit out. You know, I mean, it's just crazy stuff. You know, just, you know, things like They didn't know any better. They'd never been taught different. And uh, so they were trying to help this guy get free and trying to help him get free and trying to help him. Finally, I just got tired of it. I was just a young minister. I was probably 18 years old, 19 years old. I just went up there and whispered in his ear. And immediately the devil came out. A couple minutes later, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and he was set free. Later that night, the pastor came up to me. Actually, we were sitting in his house at, at his uh, dinner table. He said, what did you say to that guy? I, just, I told him, I said, I just leaned down, down there and I told him, I said, devil, I know who you are and I know who Jesus is and I know who I am. Shut your mouth and come out in Jesus' name. And immediately, immediately he was set free. Here's here's the last statement I want to give you and then I'm going to give you one scripture with two verses and we'll be through. Get this. If you don't get anything else I got that, that I've tried to teach you tonight, get this. Victory begins with the name of Jesus on your lips and is consummated by the nature of Jesus in your heart. I'm going to say this again. Victory begins with the name of Jesus on your lips and is consummated by the nature of Jesus in your heart. Bottom line is, He's got to be your all in all. If you want the strongholds to break off of your life, He's got to be your all in all. 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says this. Whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, victory begins with the name of Jesus on my lips. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead... Victory is consummated by the nature of Jesus in my heart. 
See that? If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I'm saved. That's what the scriptures say. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. <laughs>